0: I rip your arm off. You know what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move? I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys in the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of 5 With me is my co-host, world champ Olympic silver, Dennis Hall, who we're going to talk to just in a second regarding the Pan Am stuff, also his latest endeavor, Truth of Wrestling. Um, after this segment is going to be an interview with Terrence Zaleski of the Marine Corps, who won the Armed Forces Championships a few weeks back and by doing so qualified for the olympic trials so we catch up with terrence and see what's going on with him but let's bring it back to hall's truth of wrestling the truth of wrestling so far as he sees it anyway let's remove the pretense for just a second because of course like i know about all these things like i knew about all of this stuff before like you started doing anything publicly about it okay so let's get that out of the way like i don't want to make it sound like it's new to me it's certainly not what I think that maybe some in the audience may not be aware of is how some of these concepts are kind of related to the Spike core program in a sense as well, you know, which is center Gregg yeah. position and all these other things. And like if you could, and I'm not trying to tell you to like do like an elevator pitch. But if you could explain to the audience like what basically the general premise is of the truth of wrestling and how it pertains to wrestlers of any age or any style or whatever, how yeah, that goes. Yeah, definitely.
0: You know, I, I struggled with the way wrestling's being coached. Uh, you know, a lot of the coaches out there are teaching technique and, and kids these days aren't strong enough you know, to hold their position when they're being taught. And that's kind of how the core program, the uh, Ludus program, the Spike program, whatever you want to call it, got developed. And I was about to get out of wrestling probably about six years ago because I was getting frustrated trying to teach teach kids uh, wrestling technique. And, you know, we, we built a program that specifically works on uh, overall core strength and the program is is doing really well right now. We got it in a fortune 500 company, um, working with them, helping them develop their industrial athletes and and we're getting great feedback from them. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of athletes in in the Wisconsin area that are using our program and a lot of them have gone on competing in college and, you know, we're working with the Greco Roman Olympic team. Uh, they've had, uh, my business partner out to the OTC helping uh, the Greco program out. I was out there one time helping guys and showing them how it kind of fits together. But a uh, big thing I think that is being missed in wrestling is the physics of the sport. You know, if, if you're not controlling your center of gravity, your mind is telling you to get back to position. So if you can think about breaking a guy's position, you know that he's going to react favorably to give you something. And I think a lot of times we're so focused on a technique. We ain't worried about breaking a guy's position. You know, tonight I'm doing a, a short little video on two directional uh, pressures. And, you know, people don't talk about that that stuff enough. And, you know, what I, what I try and do when I wrestle is I try and uh, manipulate my opponent's spine because when I i twisting his spine. His body is telling him, get back to center. And that allows me to know kind of what he might be doing. So, um, you know, the other thing that's not talked about at all is leverage. Anything that's touching the wrestling mat means to be pushing into the mat. You know, I, as a youth, I, I remember being told, be light on your feet, be light on your feet. That absolutely, when you think of it from a physics standpoint, that makes absolutely zero sense. You know, when we sprawl, we're giving our guys our hips instead of getting heavy into the mat, driving our hips forward, stopping his momentum, and then then sprawl, you know. So wrestling, I, I believe, is currently being taught wrong. We're not taking into account physics, and I'm just trying to bring that to the light right now.
1: No, it's interesting about the sprawl thing, because when I – I think I told you this, but I remember when I went to Gable Clinic – I don't know how long ago at this point it was. I mean, I think I was early on in college, but nevertheless. And I remember him talking about sprawling, and he was saying how it's like a last resort, you know. he was like, you know, you got to drop your hip forward and all this other stuff. And that was like a novel concept for everybody. That was the first thing I learned, how to defend like a shot, you know what I mean, was –
0: Yep, hit the deck so yeah so it, it's it's nothing far out there but and, and another thing with dressing us and I'm trying to slow kids down because when they drill because a lot of the kids want to go quick and they don't realize it's those little moments in time where you get the feel it's not going quick where you get to feel it, it's you got to slow it down so you know exactly where his body weight is and, and when to change
1: what is the kind of feedback you've received thus far from the truth to wrestling stuff?
0: You know, good stuff. I, you know, it just a um, lot of likes, a lot of uh, small comments, just saying, "Hey, thanks for sharing." You know, oh I, right, I,
1: right, right. I think um,
0: a lot of these guys say, are,
1: Wait, just let me get this in for the audience. If you're interested in learning more about it. Just go to Facebook and search up Truth of Wrestling. Those three words, that's it. And it'll take you right to uh, Hall's page. Keep going. I'm sorry. Sorry for interrupting, Daddy.
0: Yeah, no, no problem. But no, I think that uh, a lot of people are seeing wrestling a little bit differently with some of the topics that I put on. And, you know, like I said tonight, I'm doing a uh, thing on. Two two directional pressures uh, when you're wrestling on your feet. If you can create two directional pressures, your your goal is to break that guy's uh, center of gravity a lot. Also, make his spine weak. When a guy's spine is weak, you can manipulate him and move him easier.
1: For the United States athletes,
0: okay. Yep. So
1: they're probably no. They are definitely. Okay, let me not act like I don't know this. They are definitely either at a disadvantage or in need of overcoming a lot of porous habits because of our folk style, right? Like yeah, I would yeah. think, right? I mean, just positionally, everybody yeah, knows I, that I positionally, think, but just posture-wise. I think wise.
0: the one thing these guys... Aren't doing that has to be habit is they're not driving their feet into the ground, and that's going to help them control their center of gravity more. You know, they, they get into the battle and they forget about the leverage into the mat, and that's what I see. I see a lot of front loaded, so they only have really one direction or they pike at the hip, and, and that causes problems. So, you know, the one thing that the seniors need to work on a lot more is driving with their feet into the mat.
1: What boxing has that I think is like you could kind of like there's a correlation here is that in boxing, you're either one of two things. You're either pretty light on your feet because you're moving around and you're just trying to like, you know, snap jabs or whatever. But when you're trying to land power shots, what is the phrase? The phrase is sitting on your punches, right? Because you're like stepping like you're making sure that your feet are like embedded into the surface, so when, yep. when you're pivoting like your like those your legs are like you know immovable. So you're
0: generating the power from your feet.
1: From your feet to your knees through your hips when yep. you pivot your hips. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then they see then they then they see why core is important. You know, it, it all intertwines with each other. You know, if kids would work 10 minutes on their body and go after it and work hard. 10 minutes, three to five times a week. You know, the rest would be a lot better positionally. You know, you you wouldn't see as many scrambles because guys would understand their body and understand the leverage part of the sport.
1: Well, look at Joe DiMaggio, right? This is the best way I can put it is Joe DiMaggio versus Mickey Mantle. Mantle would make all these circus catches in center field after he took over for DiMaggio. When people would ask Yogi Berra, who was a better center fielder, he would say DiMaggio. And the reason why was because DiMaggio never had to make a circus catch. He was already yeah. in position. Like, just yep. correct.
0: You know what I mean? Exactly. 100%. I mean, if you're in the right position, you got an opportunity Opportunity to defend and also to go on offense.
1: Right. And what do we celebrate? And I'm not dissing anybody when I say this, man. But, like, what are we celebrating in high school, college wrestling? It's like, oh,
0: check out this sick scramble. Uh, scramble. Yeah. Scramble. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm sick of scrambles. If the guy wasn't taking a dumb shot, there wouldn't be a scramble if he fought harder to get to a shot. You know, and that, that's a lot of it is just being patient, learning patience as a wrestler. And it's hard because you get that anxiety, and you're taught ever since you're in first grade to shoot, shoot, shoot. Everybody's yelling at you, so you already programmed your mind, so you got to reprogram your body into being more patient.
1: And I say this with a lot of love in my heart as well. So people who are interested go to, you know what, don't even bother. You know what, let's do it now. Let's skip, let's skip. Don't even bother trying to follow Hall on Twitter. I mean, I'm going to put that in at the closing anyway. But like, just go to Truth of Wrestling on Facebook. Okay, that's it. Just go to Truth of Wrestling on Facebook. Like, you'll have a much better chance of interaction or anything else there than you would.
0: Yeah, that's so. it. I check uh, comments and all that. And
1: yeah, you check the comments. You, get you, see, the, you see the red the red bubble in the corner of your screen. You get all adrenalized. The dopamine <laughs> gets released. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, let's throw it back to real quick because I don't want to you know, do this whole merry-go-round with the Pan Ams uh, for 45 minutes. But um, look... We're at the precipice. This is what we've been talking about since November. The Pan Am championships happened. Now we're right. Just we're in that beginning of the week in between the championships and the Pan Am Olympic qualifier for, you know, refresher purposes. We had 67. Alex Sancho took bronze. We're going to get to why that matters in a moment. 77 kilograms. Pat Smith took silver. He beat the champ during the tournament from Cuba, but he took silver because they wrestled again, and it's just whatever. Pooled pooled bracket. Just ridiculous. Anyway, Joe Rao wins at 87. D'Angelo Tracy Hancock wins at 97. Kuhn, Adam Kuhn takes silver, losing to uh, Cuba. That doesn't matter because Cuba's not in the qualifier. So what matters is who Kuhn beat during the tournament. Instead of breaking down all of these individual Pan Am performances, which, to be honest with you, has already been achieved about three different times on Five Point anyway, what I'm more concerned with is this in between. How I mean that is this. We haven't had a situation like this in a very long time, if ever. We're coming off of a, a Pan Am Championships, or to be honest with you, really any tournament. And then the very next week is a tournament of immense major consequences, right? Where the opponents, by and large, are going to be the same. And so I was talking to Robbie Smith a couple few days ago, and we were talking about, it's like, this isn't the same thing as that, like, early winter tour every year where you go to Haparanda, and then the next week is Havisto, right? Like, where, where you know like pretty much most of the same guys are going to be in the bracket at both tournaments. Like this is different because I mean, the Pan Am championships first off on their own are kind of important to the U S program and USA wrestling and all this stuff. I mean, kind of, Yeah. but, but this is the Olympic qualifier is as important If not more, it's no. It's the most important tournament of the year for the Greco program. I mean, exactly.
0: Hundred percent.
1: I could make that argument. I can make the. I can make a pretty, I think, decent, well-rounded, thorough argument that the Olympic qualifier is more important than the Olympics itself. I could, okay. And you know what? When I'm done with doing that, I don't think I'd have a lot of people accusing me of being crazy either. And, I mean, I no. can layer that shit nicely.
0: I mean, I know guys that, that could have won Olympic medals that ended up sitting home. So, yeah, you're correct.
1: Thank you. Let's open that part of it up. Pat Smith at 77 kilograms, okay? So, Pat Smith, look, this is what the U.S. program wanted, Hall. They wanted every as many people as possible to get a one or a two seed, right? Because they're seeding yep. the top two. And, you know, you would think that that means a, maybe perhaps a cleaner route Eight to your finals. Yes. Yep. Well, draw, who knows? Because that's a, that's why seeding only two, or at the Worlds, they only seed four. That's why seeding at all is stupid, because if you're only going to seed two, and you're going to blind draw everybody else, then what
0: the hell is the point? you got to, if you're going to seed. Trying seat, to keep the best two guys I away get it. from each other.
1: I understand the idea of bracket separation. I don't know, whatever. I don't want to go tangential on that right now. But for Pat, Cuba needs to qualify at 77. Pat hadn't wrestled the Cuban before. Pat beats him in the first round of the tournament. Pat destroys the next guy, wins a close match against Jair Cuero Munoz in the, uh, if you want to call it the semifinal. And they wrestled yeah. Cuba again. Both the cu- matches with the Cuban kind of unfolded the same way. One-nothing heading into the second period. Other guy gets the passive. Other guy gets a turn. Three-to-one standard operating procedure practice yeah okay you also have his 87 joe rao went and punished the hell out of the best or second best guy in the weight class really the guy who everybody in the u.s i think identifies as the toughest guy at 87 that's luis Avendano rojas from venezuela rao got tech by this dude at the pan am games and rao really 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 beat the shit out of him in ottawa and then Rao uh, won the tournament because he had already beaten the tough toughest guy. Uh, the second toughest guy yeah. or the first toughest guy, depending on how you think of it, is the Cuban Hecouveria, who Rao lost to as well at the Pan Am Games. So Rao did not wrestle him at the championships. That guy didn't even make the final. He had a weird freaking match, uh, I think, in the semis or the quarters or wherever. And he got bounced. I didn't. I watched the only part of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. But that's that's not even it. We move on. Okay? There's a reason why I'm going through this string here, so just stay with me.
0: Yep.
1: 97 kilos. Tracy had lost to the Cuban a few. uh, I think three times. He had lost three times. I think he lost to him twice last year. Tracy lost to the Cuban okay? World champ. Junior world champ. uh, Rosio. Yeah. Tracy lost to him in the first round of the tournament. Tracy lost to him uh, I think in the second round or first or second round or whatever it was. And it was a weird match. It was just a stupid match. Tracy got turned with, a like, a, a, I don't know, a halfway gut, man. And, like, the guy stuck him. Like, he just held Tracy, like, on his back, and Tracy couldn't. Yeah. And they called a touch ball. so. And then in the finals, Tracy wrestles him again, gets the first passive, front head locks him twice, four points both, okay? And it was over. Over in a minute and 15 seconds or whatever the hell it was. Now, Kuhn, Adam Kuhn lost to uh, Moises Perez Helberg from Venezuela, he lost to him in January at the Rome tournament. Okay? Should never have lost to him, in my opinion. Lost him in the Rome tournament. Kuhn wrestles him in the semifinals. Over-under body locks. Gets four. They restart. Kuhn gets over-under again and, you know, delivers him to the mat and pins him like it's not a problem, like he probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then in the final, uh, Kuhn lost to Cuba um, You know, fairly uh, – I don't want to say handily, but I mean it is what it is. So, But Cuba is not a concern for Adam Kuhn. What is a concern for Adam Kuhn is Venezuela's good and also the fact that Yosemite Acosta Fernandez, 2017 World Bronze Medalist, who also fived Kuhn last year at Pan Am Games, he will be in the bracket. Uh, On Friday, he was not at the championships, but he will be there on Friday. The whole point for me doing this rundown has nothing to do with the fact that I like to talk. What I'm asking you, and I've asked a couple of other people this, but I'm asking you, is that we're looking at Friday, right? Not just you and I, the whole program. We're looking at Friday as this mega, severely critical event,
0: correct? Yeah, I yeah for sure
1: fantastic well they just wrestled these guys Friday and Saturday in Ottawa already they've already gotten the matches in Yep. Yeah. what are the advantages and what are the
0: disadvantages to this entire thing you know I, I think the biggest thing they gotta look at is one match at a time you know I know it's uh a little cliche but you know what you gotta you gotta get the guy that steps out on the mat in front of you and take it to him you know uh, the advantages of wrestling those guys is you can make adjustments in a week. You know, if, if you know they should be watching film, seeing what the guy's doing, how he's leading, what he what he's weak on. Study a lot of film this week and go out there and execute the plan. You know, it, it comes down to going out there and taking it to them. Don't don't uh, be super cautious. Say you know I'd rather err on the side of, of being a little over aggressive than err on the side of uh, a referee deciding who goes down
1: well i think that's so, why i think that's why pat smith and joe Rao, like they're in good shape like if yeah,
0: any, if they're, only be, they're coming they're bringing it
1: right their style's not going to change everybody knows their styles
0: like it yep and it's hard to tell you wrestle a guy that wrestles like that it's hard to formulate a game plan because they keep moving, they keep their hands and their feet moving, and they're physical.
1: Yeah, even though they've both wrestled Pan Am style opponents on and off over the past few years. Yeah. Especially Pat. I mean, Pat won the Pan Am's in 15, 16, 17, won the Pan Am games last year. You know, I mean, Pat's very familiar with the South American yep. continent. But it's like, okay, with Pat, it doesn't matter. You know, Pat said so in in uh, in and a Q&A a couple of weeks ago during camp. He's like, you know, because there were a bunch of South Americans at the OTC. You know, there, yeah. There, and I was like, so I asked Ildar and Pat on the record. I'm like, okay, well, if you're practicing with guys that you're going to be going against with immense stakes on the line, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, so if you're going to go be going doing live goes with these guys, are you like keeping anything back? Are you holding anything back? You know, like not holding anything back, but, you know, like not showing them everything. So I ask Ildar yeah. and Ildar's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like,
0: <laughs> and all this other stuff. I mean, if I were going to be honest, I'd say, yes, I would, too. I'd hold back a little bit. I get them. I put them in situations where I know they're strong and see what they got. You know, if I get scored on, then I know I definitely, definitely don't want to be there. So I, I'd give him more positions just to get a better feel. Well,
1: right. Okay. See, that makes sense. And then I asked Pat that same question, and Pat is like, "No." Pat was like, "You know me. Uh, what do you say?" He was like, "What you see is what you get." And it's like, fair enough, man. Like, fair enough. Uh, Pat does. Pat, Pat does not have a million little wrinkles to his to his approach like there's not like these he's not doing tricks out there man so sure and ildar and ildar obviously didn't compete in the pan am championships because he had made that decision a while back he was like i'm gonna need that week he was like i don't want to cut twice i don't want to you know do all that stuff And, and so hopefully that works out for him but i just think that's interesting so like Okay, well, ha- how about this? Let me reshape this, because I didn't get to put it this way. It's hard to say for Pat Smith and Joe Rao because they both... Well, it's hard to say for Pat Smith and um, Tracy, because they both went one and one against Cuba. Okay? Yep. They both did. Now, Tracy got a gold, and Pat got a silver. Now, it doesn't change what what the their records are. Who stands to benefit the most? Guys who... Took losses last weekend or guys who got wins last weekend? From a tactical perspective.
0: I, I think for me personally I like I like being an underdog. You know. A little more motivation to come back stronger. You know, and, and you know, I mean, you get confidence, but then you got something that you can lose. So that's kinda I mean, I don't want to say that and have the guys hear that for the guys that want, <laughs> you know. But overall, it, the guy that's number two, you know, a lot of times has more to gain, more to prove.
1: This is why the seeding thing muddles the conversation, too. If I go and ask you this question, at, you know, we're talking in the middle of the day. I go and ask you this question at you know, 1130 at night. Okay. Yeah. When you're tired and a little bit ornery and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not just yeah. I'm not doing a bit here. I bet if I ask you this question another time during the day, you'll be like, Oh, you know what? At the end of the day, you got to beat the guy.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I
1: just agree with that. Isolating this thing. too much. I think I have a tendency to, I think I'm isolating. No, nah, I mean,
0: you it, it could, but, it, like you said, at the end of the day we're either gonna qualify or we're not. You know? And and that is a key point. And that's why I said you gotta take one match at a time and you can't overlook anybody at the pan because If you do, you know what, all it takes is one mistake and you're done. your your four years of training was for nothing.
2: Look
1: at Ildar in two thousand and sixteen. Yep. I mean he lost to a guy from Canada. No offense, he was supposed to wreck that guy in 40 seconds, man. Just things go off the rails.
0: Yeah. And that's why just, you know, these guys got to look at the guy that's in front of them. They can't be worrying about the semis or the finals. It's got to be one match at a time, one second at a time.
1: Well, what about you? In 2000, when you qualified at Pan Am Qualifier in 2000. Yeah. Okay. Which, I mean, yep. I know the story extremely well. And to be fair, a lot of people know this story extremely well. And what's more is that Lindland referenced this in a report a couple of weeks back, actually talking about it because it was yeah. he, Paulson, and yourself who had yep. qualified at that tournament. And you know, Matt was talking about how you your performance and Paulson's performance um, inspired him. You have already lived through this. And you had a practically a a near generational wrestler to compete against in the finals, too. And like when you're entering a qualifier, but let's for the because I ignore the whole weirdness of the 2000 Olympic qualifying procedures, let's just focus on the PMs. Yep. Okay. When you're entering this tournament and you know, and like that other guys on the other side or whatever it is, like how do you hone in? on one match at a time, especially when you figure that you're going to probably it's anyway,
0: like, it doesn't how- matter. Nothing changes. The warmup stays the same. How you prepare for the match? How you eat? Everything stays the same. You know, I, I, mean, for me, I always made sure I was warmed up and had a sweat going before every match. So I was ready to battle. And I, I think that's the mindset. You know what? Get it, get one done. Then you take the next one. Then you take the next one. And that's the finals, probably. You know, the bottom line is is you can't overlook any of these guys. I never overlooked opponents. I mean, you know, as soon as you did that, you were on the backside trying to survive and trying to get back into the tournament.
1: That's the difference between a guy who's like a world-beating type and a guy who could be but might not be. And that is those best guys in the world, those guys with multiple medals, they see everybody as a dire
0: threat to their lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and now I think the South American countries are better than what they were when I competed.
1: Oh, it's really it really you nice know? to hear you admit that after uh, enduring your screaming the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it, they're, they're better, but we still should be beating them. I'm not going to change my tune on that. I mean, if you want to win a world medal, you have to be beating them.
1: Nobody is behind our program more than I am, I would like yep. to think. I, I, my wife has to think that. Otherwise, what, what is what is our divorce going to really be worth? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, I hear but anyway, somebody... I'll, somebody will remain nameless, but somebody had, um, texted me a few days ago, like before the start of the Pan Am's, the night before when, like, the draws came out or whatever, and saw a couple of the matchups. Now, granted, it's only the championships, it's not the qualifiers, so, but somebody was like, hey, tomorrow's going to tell a lot about, you know, these guys' character. And my response was, well, if you want to be an Olympian, it's time to start doing Olympian-like things. Yeah. This whole, all of this talk and everything else, it's just, it's going to not mean anything uh, midday, end of day on Friday. Yeah. But I do feel, I want to make it clear, I feel very... Now that the championships are out of the way, I feel like like this weird sense of relief. Like I feel like very confident, like especially after seeing like a couple of matchups I hadn't seen yet, especially after seeing how yeah. punish the hell out of Venezuela. after watching Pat against uh, Cuba, after watching um Tracy finally get a win against Cuba, you know, I think Ildar... I mean, Ildar's the best wrestler in that bracket. I mean, Ildar's often the best wrestler in any bracket, I mean, tech, from a technical standpoint.
0: Yep.
1: So, you know, Sancho is a little bit of an X-factor, I think, for some people, but not me. I mean, the only guy he lost to is, you know, the best wrestler in the planet pound for pound right now.
0: Exactly. And that
1: guy's not going to be in the tournament. The best guy outside of Sancho at 67 is Brazil. Uh, and he wrestled at 72 kilos. And Ray Bunker, uh, Ray Bunker had a pretty uh, pretty big-time effort against him in the final. Well, it was only, yeah. I shouldn't say the final. I mean, it was only, jeez, eh, man. You want to talk about the Pan Am Championships. They didn't even wrestle 63 kilograms. They canceled that weight class. 72 kilos only had Bunker and uh, Debrito Ramos from Brazil. That's it. Two guys. Wow. Yeah. it's weird. It's weird. It's tough to kind of, like, sell that shit, you know? Like, it's like, get yeah. ready for the Pan Am Championships. <laughs> you know, 2019 World Team member Bunker, he's only got one opponent. I mean, don't get me yeah, wrong. That, that one opponent thing is, is, really is good. They,
0: you know, those South American countries, they don't send the guys, they're saving their money for the Olympic budget. You yeah, know, and doing what they can to get guys, hopefully, to qualify.
2: Right.
1: And, you know, to that effect, I was pretty surprised there was the in in some of these other weight classes, there was the participation there even was, to be honest. I mean, I expected the Olympic weights, but 60, no, 72 was bunker in Brazil's 63. They didn't even have. And Max was just, you know, a three guy bracket, two guy bracket. But I still expected even for the Olympic weights, I didn't expect everybody to still be there. I still expected somebody like some, a couple of these countries to like, "Mm, maybe not show up or, Oh no, no, that's a lie. No, that's a stupid way of thinking. they have to weigh them in. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, They got to weigh them in. All right. So I don't know, man, my brain's just completely uh, saturated with all this stuff. This was a lot of fun. I'm going to cue this up for the Terrence Zaleski Interview: Are there any uh, parting thoughts uh, regarding the qualifier in the U.S. team before we uh, hit the button on this one?
0: You know, just that the guys got to go out there and they got to wrestle one match at a time and don't let the country behind them and, you know, go out there and give it your best effort and what happens, happens.
1: Represent your team or club with top-quality singlets, board shorts, and two-piece uniforms from barbarianapparel.com. Get creative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by barbarianapparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel, style everyone notices. Quality everyone respects. Joining me now is 2020 Armed Forces gold medalist at 87 kilos, Terrence Zaleski, who not only won his Armed Forces gold, and that's your first one, right, Terrence? Your first Armed Forces gold?
2: Yeah, that's my first one.
1: And he also qualified emphatically, I would say, uh, for the Olympic trials. Mark wait no not march april 4th april 5th state college everybody knows that already anyway terrence let's get to the matter at hand and that is armed forces championships which was february 22nd a few days ago was your first time competing this season so Mm -hmm. i mean i think your last competition if i'm not mistaken was ciblisi right correct okay So, right out of the jump here, were there any, I don't know, did you have to work any rust off, or did you come into uh, the Armed Forces feeling, you know, as though you never even had a break? Uh,
2: Coming into the Armed Forces, uh, I felt well prepared. Um, I was coming off of an injury injury, uh, shortly after uh, Tbilisi, so I was off the mat for a while, and my first real practice was back in January, and um, uh, that those first two weeks back they were rough. But uh, because because of the people who I train with every day, they knock the rust off real quick. Or you're gonna have bad days in the wrestling room. And uh, let me tell you, no uh, match that I wrestled uh, this past weekend were uh, nowhere near as tough as uh, how we train in that room we have there on the Marine Corps team. So. It's very
1: easy to say because you obliterated three guys on Saturday, on
2: Saturday. So <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, be, yeah I, I, I was focused. I, I had a mission, you know, and that that team dual aspect, you know, adds that much weight to it than Marines versus Army. You know, you have to do your job, and uh, my job uh, that day was uh, to make sure I didn't get scored on and to make sure I score points, and. Uh, mm, you know, I did it. Yeah, you did.
1: And one of the things that I was kind of thinking about watching you on watching you on Saturday is that, you know, we had talked when we did our Q&A with you in the fall. We had talked about, you know, your which way you were going to go and you were going to go 87. And, you know, we talked about the kind of the. The things you might have to account for physically going up a weight class the one thing that really kind of stuck out to me i was thinking about is that you you said it in your q and a and at least thus far you did look like you, i'm look i understand who we're talking about here the um you know sure you know navy and uh air force guys they don't have the same well most of the air force guys don't have this they're not full time athletes but nevertheless I, just watching the way you operated you looked like you were on a, at a different speed than everybody else you you looked extremely fresh uh very explosive and i've got to i've got to imagine that since you hadn't been at you know this is this is the olympic year you're going 87 it must have felt pretty good to be able to handle yourself extremely well just right on right out of the gate here
2: yeah um man like the weight gain i mean i gained a couple kilos uh so you know i'm filling in the weight class i'm still working on getting gaining a little more weight i've been in the gym and uh, i felt good uh i was i felt strong i felt explosive uh you know i felt quick uh a couple of things i want to work on uh, coming back from uh armed forces you know with a uh, coach and my training partners but uh, besides that, man, like, like I said, like, I, I'm on a mission, you know, and when, and seven is not, you know, it's not a cakewalk. It's, it's a tough freaking wait, man. And uh, I got to bring my A game when it comes down to trials and let them know, like, you know, hey, I'm here and uh, you better pay attention to me. So that's how I feel about that whole situation.
1: Well, I think you certainly caught everybody's attention on Saturday. I mean, outside of Luke Sheridan coming coming away with three pins, not counting the two army shrimps at fifty five and sixty, uh, you were the you were the day's most dominant performer, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the numbers bear that out. And uh, not to skirt the issue too much here, what was the nature of your injury, if you don't mind telling me?
2: Uh, it was uh it was uh related to uh, my growing. Uh, something happened back, uh, was some, some, somewhere along the lines of world team camp, like at the conclusion of it and, uh, had to get surgery and I was just out for, you know, pretty much until December. But around that time, everyone was like taking a break. So I came back in, uh, January starting off fresh.
1: Okay. Well, you're a sly, you're a very sly, sneaky guy then. Because <laughs> we talked after this, I'm assuming. <laughs> I yeah, had no idea.
2: Did. So We did. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Keep hey, it under wraps, man, like that's the, fine.
1: I yeah, don't blame you.
2: Yeah.
1: Coach Jason Lukidis, first off. Uh-huh. You got to hand it to him because the way he, he navigates this publicly is next level expert. Because he's just like, ah, Terrence was dealing with an injury. You know, he's back. Not like, hey, he he ripped part of his groin apart, had surgery.
2: Yeah, he, he's he's really he's really good at that. He, uh, um, I mean, he's been my coach for like ten years, and uh, even though I'm the a public affairs officer of the team, I get a lot of my tips and pointers from him. That guy, that man's a genius when it comes to strategy, tactics, keeping stuff, you know, disclosed when to release information. Like, you know, he's the guy to talk to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's like in more outgoing version of Belichick, you know, like yeah. Belichick press conferences. Like, Lukitas could do that. He would just be more friendly, but he could do that.
2: Like, that's his wheelhouse. <laughs> right. I guess it comes with coaching for a long time, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have coaches who have coached for a long time, and they don't do it as well. But, yeah, I would think so. It blows my mind. I was wondering... You know, I think different guys react to these things different ways. but when you were off, obviously you missed the national tournament in December, which would would have been, um, no, well, you also missed New York. New York would have been your first qualifying opportunity for the trials. Then it was the national tournament. When you're out with an injury, especially at this phase of your career, during an Olympic season, And you're watching everybody else compete and jump in and out of tournaments. Guys on your team went to Rome as well. They went to, they went overseas in November too. And, uh, does it play with you emotionally at all? Like, do you get, I don't want to say jealous, but do you get, you know, angst ridden over this? Like you can't wait to get back and you kind of want to hit the fast forward button.
2: Oh no most definitely uh like um when I was sitting out just watching the guys do all this stuff, wrestling, competing training while was while I was sitting back doing office work and making sure you know the team was good to go behind the scenes that's uh it's painful man because especially when you're trying to you know move up a weight class and gain weight and get better and you know and you see guys you know getting better while you're pretty much watching them get better that's that's very frustrating. And, um, you know, not being able to go to uh, New York and nationals and the uh, overseas camp in Sweden and Finland, you know, that's those are things I live for, you know, that competition just to see how much I've, I've grown as a wrestler. And uh, I felt like, um, you know, when I wrestled, in, when I competed in Georgia, I was on like a go, good roll with uh, my wrestling. I was like, everything was starting to come along and, you know, boom, injury. And I was like, dang, I got to sit back out. And, like, when I got back on the mat, it just, it was tough. Because even the new guys, that were, the newer uh, guys in the wrestling room, they were, like, you know, uh, giving me a go when I first got on the mat. And I was like, man, gosh, I've been out for way too long. But uh, because of that, you know, it made me focus even harder when I returned. You know, I can't dwell on the past. Hey, what happened is what happened. And uh, I got to keep uh, moving forward and see what I got to do to, you know, get the job done at the end of the day.
1: I'm almost going to regret asking it. I'm going to do it anyway. And that is, is there any kind of addition by subtraction element to this, though? And and just even though you're rehabbing an injury during this period, at the same time, other parts of your body are getting some rest. You know, maybe there's a little bit of freshness that is there that might not have been there if you just kept grinding, grinding, grinding away. And the only reason why I'm even asking is because we've had a couple of athletes, Ellis Coleman, chief among them but robbie smith said something to this effect uh, a few weeks ago and that is like hey you know the only silver lining to having to get surgery and have an injury is that like other parts of your body get get some rest i mean is that all a component for you
2: uh yes yes and no uh, i'll say it like this because um i say uh, it was it was good to uh, reset my mind and uh, really like um, zone in on my goals what i really wanted to do moving forward and but at the same time a uh, coach he does a great job of making sure we you know we get our rest we rest our bodies and not over train us not overwork us and make sure uh, uh we're on the right path as well so you know there's there's a balance uh with our team when it comes to recovery and uh you know our mental state of mind and uh that the training program that coach has for us that, you know, does a very great job of, uh, you know, uh, meeting those kind of goals with us. So, but yeah, that's, you know, that's my uh, view on it. Take what going at me, you know, take it for what it is.
1: I'm a big proponent of duels, especially in the international styles. That's why the world cup and the clubs cup are two of my favorite events. Armed forces is that for us in our country. Do you see – you experienced the intensity of the Armed Forces Championships firsthand, and you're not going to maybe be able to replicate that with, like, club duels perhaps, or maybe you can. But do you see duels having a place in Senior Greco, potentially?
2: Uh, I mean, it definitely can. I mean, there's already, like, established Greco clubs in the U.S., but it's just uh, if people are willing to, you know, set something like that up. Because uh, that dual aspect, uh, is, at least for our team, is, uh, you know, is uh, very uh, important to us. Just because, uh, you know, uh, with the Marines, like, we're close, you know, we understand what it's like to, you know, sacrifice for each other. And, you know, uh, whether it be a weight class, uh, well, wrestling and uh, practice, uh, it all comes down to a duel because you're not no longer wrestling for yourself. You're wrestling for your team, and uh, we take pride in that. Uh, for example, you know, uh, coach moving uh, Vaughn up to 87 in order for I mean Vaughn up to 97 in order for me to wrestle at 87 to give me a chance to qualify, and him qualify as well because uh, Captain Miller is already qualified, and so we moved him up to heavyweight. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. Those kind of sacrifices we're willing to take. And uh, when you're in that atmosphere, and you see your teammates competing, it, it, it gets you going. It gets it gets your blood going. All right, when uh, you see your teammate, for example, seeing Johnny just dominate before you, and uh, I have to go out there. I was like, man, I, you know, I gotta I gotta keep this ball rolling. I gotta you know do my part. You know, that's uh, that's 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 very meaningful. It shows people what your team is all about. And uh, that camaraderie is uh, very important when it comes to that team aspect, and I feel like uh, a lot of that's missing in uh, the senior level uh, competition. Uh, everyone's so worried about themselves and not caught up in that team aspect, and they don't. Uh, a lot of people don't understand like your team, you know, is you know plays a factor in your success in the big picture, um, and that's what we harp on. So it would be great to see like more dual meets. Across uh, the senior level, and I feel like it will elevate the sport even more and bring more, you know, bring more attention to Greco-Roman wrestling. But uh, you know, that's all I can say about that.
1: No, you know what? The only the only brushback I've received on this topic comes in the form of domestic competition. So the retort to this is, well, guys in the U.S. aren't going to want to wrestle each other. Any more than they already do. They already know they're going to see them at, you know, let's say, if if we're going to count the full scope of tournaments held on U.S. soil, New York, Schultz, Nationals, Trials. That has been the one comeback I've received as well. Yeah, but guys aren't going to want to have to wrestle each other a bunch of extra times. And it's like, yeah, I I, I get that. I, I, I understand. But if you call it a cup, you make it some mm-hmm. kind of dual cup, dual series cup or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's how, in my in my mind's eye, that's how I would package it, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know. And you don't do it for a month. You know, you do it over the span of two different weekends in one month, you know, fr- Saturday, Friday, or something like that. One weekend, take a week off, do you know, then you have your finals and third, fourths, or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Dude, it's just that, like, I think we're missing the ball here. I really do. It's like we're wondering why we can't sell Greco. It's like, well, you know what, because you you have everything in a tournament format where it's like people are either going to only pay attention to the finals or the tournaments overseas and nobody's going to hardly pay attention anyway other than, like, the really locked-in fan base.
2: And it's right. like,
1: dude, give give people something to root for. That's
2: how I see it anyway. Yeah, I mean, that dual aspect, man, I'm telling you, uh, it does bring, like, you know, more more gravity to it uh as far as uh the fan base goes because like you said it, it's very relatable and uh like to me man it's like i don't care if i wrestle you one time a year 10 times a year it doesn't matter at the end of the day, I have to be the better better guy you know on the mat so that's that's my view on it when it comes to like wrestling somebody if if i have to wrestle you know number one number two number three put fill in the rank you know 10 times a year you know, so be it, you know, it's wrestling, you, you know, you're supposed to battle, you're supposed to compete whoever in front of you, whoever steps on that line is your enemy at that point, you know, and that's my views on that.
1: No, you can't say it better. That's why you're the, uh, what is it, the official title, public affairs officer? Yeah. Public affairs officer. So, ladies and gentlemen, what Terrence Zaleski does uh, outside of wrestling for the Marine Corps is he is, he's a lieutenant, first off, but he's a public affairs officer, and under the scope of his responsibilities, I guess, and you could correct me. Part of it is, or maybe you volunteer for this gig, but you also handle photos from the Marine team. You f- handle graphics. You do videos. You do a terrific job of all this stuff. Anybody who's encountered the Marine Corps wrestling team material has seen your work. And you're uh, you're just a, a, I mean, you know how to speak. You speak like a, a gentleman. You speak like you speak like you understand how to talk to an audience. That's how you talk, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, thank you. Uh, you're Thank not you. the best-looking guy in the Marine team. You're a great-looking guy, Terrence, but I, I, I think you know who the best-looking guy is, right? You know who the best-looking guy uh, is.
2: Yeah, Jason McKee is the man no, with the bald that's, head. Is, oh no, man,
1: that is J- Jamel Johnson. He is, oh man, we went over this in the last episode.
2: Yeah, yeah, opinions might be a little skewed. I think my girlfriend would say different, but
1: you know, you know, it's your Okay, <laughs> wait a minute. Here's what happened. I went over this uh-huh. at the end of the last episode. This is a true story, okay? So at the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament in May, okay, here's what happened. I went and did a Facebook Live for the five-point move uh, page. Okay. And all I did was open it up and pan around while guys were warming up. And I had walked past, you know, Bunker and Jamel and a couple other people. And a couple people who I guess aren't locked into Greco saw Jamel and were like, "Who's that? Like he's good looking and stuff like that." So like ever since then, I've been like, "Yo, that dude's the best looking guy in the sport, man." Because nobody else has ever said anything about anyone else. Uh, <laughs> so that's the precedent. It's a low bar.
2: It's uh, a low funny. bar. But never... Well, maybe because he was standing in the you know bunker. Who knows? I don't know. There's so many you know possibilities. Why? What's this home stretch for you look like? Uh, man, just focusing on my strengths and developing, uh, you know, getting better on my weaknesses, you know, uh, doing a lot more partier work, you know, at 87, the guys are a lot heavier, just trying to generate more power in my lifts developing, you know, maybe a turn, a better gut wrench of some sort, uh, working, you know, working, on um, tumbling, getting better, creating, uh, more scoring opportunities for myself, which I've been, uh, developing, uh, this past, you know, month or so. Um, and everything is just coming along, just sticking to that game.
1: That has been a topic with 87. It's, it's of course, a topic with the other two upperweights, 97 and heavyweight. But 87, yeah, you know, I'm the first one to talk about how strong of a bracket 87 has been in our country over the course of this current quad. But if there's one component that's missing, it is that most of the time you don't see a ton of scoring from the feet at 87. It's more of a turn-or-not-be-turned kind of weight class. Uh, Carter Nielsen has kind of stood out because he's creating, you know, takedown opportunities off of, you know, reach-arounds and things like that. Ha- is that something you feel is also missing from 87? Is that something you feel would separate you from the pack?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's always the goal for me. Uh, and looking at 87, it's like they're, they're good pummelers. You know they usually we'll go down to part here, and that's when you see most of the action. I mean, you do have explosive men in uh, in that in that weight class, but you know you don't see it too much unless you know you have to you have to bring it out of them. And um, and that's something uh, I'll be able to do wrestling in this weight class. Is like uh, I'll make people wrestle me, you know, and uh, I want that fight, I want that grind and I'm, I'm I'm in search for that. You know, I'm hungry right now. Just me focusing on myself and learning how to create opportunities for myself to score will uh, provide that opportunity for me to, you know, get on the big stage.
1: Okay, and that was Terrence Zaleski of the All-Marine team. Zaleski is going to be one of several serious contenders in the 87-kilo bracket at the Olympic Trials next month. And as you heard, he really had to work himself back into health this season following the groin injury. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Going by how downright explosive he looked at armed forces, I'd say he recovered nicely. Uh, Coming up, coming up, coming up. Well, you heard it in the first segment with Hall, and that is the Pan Am Olympic qualifier this Friday in Ottawa. It should be noted, it should be noted that this is not, in fact, the last opportunity for U.S. athletes to qualify for the Olympics. If the job doesn't get done in Ottawa, then there is still the last chance Olympic Games world qualifier in Bulgaria at the end of April. Except, any and everyone would like to avoid that qualifier if they can, simply because that tournament might be as difficult, in a way, if not more so, than the actual Olympics. So they want to get it done on Friday. And you know what? I believe they're going to. Our official five-point move preview of the Pan Am qualifier will be available on Flow Wrestling this week, and that's also where you'll be able to find our overview recap. Immediate post-session recaps, along with news and notes, will still be on Five Point, as is custom. Social media concerns. Okay, so to follow Terrence Zaleski, you can do so on Instagram at afropinoykidz 34 Let's spell that out. A-F-R-O-P-I-N-O-Y kid dot Z three four. Hall we talked about earlier and we made some headway. If you're one of the billions around the world with a Facebook account, just search up Truth of Wrestling and there you will have access to his insights, his philosophies and as you heard him say, he responds to comments on there, so that's your best shot for digital interaction. You could still try him on Twitter at Dennis Hall WGW. Though, until further notice, that might be crickets. And for USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, go to 5pointmove.com. And as always, follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5 PT move. That's it for episode 34, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.